0: God, we praise you at the proclamation of your word in such a beautiful way that takes the gifts that you've given and and the body of Christ and you blend them together and you you make it possible for us to praise you in this way. Father, I, I thank you for the God that you are. I pray that as we turn now and we look at your word, we listen to your word, that we would hear you, that we would continue to encounter you, our living God, through the words of your scripture. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Well, we have the privilege this morning of talking about the church as the body of Christ. And, and we start off with this fantastic illustration of one body, many parts, working together to present one beautiful message. And um, I'm so thankful to our choir and orchestra and band for demonstrating one body with many parts. As we think about ourselves this morning, the church, we are one body. If you have your Bible with you, and I hope that you do, I ask you to get that out and go with me to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. And when we look at this passage, we're, we're dropping down into the middle of uh, the Apostle Paul's letter to the churches in Ephesus. And so he's writing to the churches. He's writing to followers of Jesus, both at that time and then really followers of Jesus' um, all time since then, and he's presenting to us a magnificent vision of the church as the body of Christ. So we'll read and listen to his words first, that is Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. But to each of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. That is what it, why it says, when he ascended on high, he took captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers to equip his body for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow up to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Father, I praise you for your word to us. So Paul in this letter is addressing both Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians And a typical first century response to this address to Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians, talking about them being one body, would have been something like, what? (laughs) No way. No, I mean, you know, I realize, might say a Jew, that now for the first time in centuries or forever, um, Jewish Christians and and Gentile Christians have the same faith. Um, But we are different. I mean, we talk different, we look different, we act different, we mourn different, we are, celebrate different, we are just different. How can we be one body? So today, we as Covenant Church, we might actually ask the same question. As we look around this room and we see some differences, we might ask, how can we be one body? We are American. We are Korean. We are Chinese. We are Indian. We are African. We are Hispanic. We're black and white. We're rich and less rich. We're white collar workers and blue collar workers. We're retired. We're students. We're um, we have different passions. We are different. How can we be one body? I mean, if you're honest with yourself, you can look around and see the people in this room. We represent a lot of different things and interests and preferences, and and we are different. So the Apostle Paul, through his Holy Holy Spirit-inspired words in Ephesians, he has some answers for us. He lays out for us how this oneness of this body called the church is built on and composed of a few things. So he's answering the question, how can we function as a body? And he says we are built on and composed of, as a body, these things. Humble character, one faith, many gifts, and continual growth. So we're going to walk through the passage that I read just moments ago and and see how um, the instructions that Paul gives us um, can kind of fall into these four categories of these are the things that our oneness as a body are built on and composed of. So the first thing uh, to mention is that Paul's explanation of this body of Christ is given in the context of the overall calling of the church so we can read in first 1 where Paul is urging them the followers of Jesus to live a life worthy or in line with of the calling you've received. So the calling that followers of Jesus have received is to walk in the love of Jesus as one holy people. Paul is telling Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians. So Gentile Christians that's that's Christians from, you know, not from a Jewish background but from Every other background around the world, Jewish Christians and, and Gentile Christians, you are to walk in the, the love of Jesus together as one body. We, we see him describe this very clearly in just a chapter before, in chapter 3, verse 6. He says, This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body. And shares together in the promise of Jesus Christ. So, this call is both shockingly corporate and and it's very specific, it's specifically individual, as we'll see in these coming verses. But the main thing I want you to get about the context of this is the context in which Paul is delivering this message of um, the unity and the oneness of the body of Christ is in the context of the reality that we need each other. We can think of Paul's words, uh, kind of his famous words in his letter to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 12 where he talks about the body being your one body but your many parts and he, you know, the hand can't say to the head, I don't need you, and the leg can't say to the, um, to the rest of the body, I don't need you. So Paul is very aware as he speaks this, these words of unity and the oneness of the body that we need each other. You know, I think simply of the, you know, the illustration of me opening up my Bible and the illustration of incredible body parts all working together to make that happen as my lungs are serving their function, my heart is serving a function, my organs are serving a function to keep me alive and my, my brain is sending these messages through my nerves and using my muscles to have me just do a simple action, which actually isn't simple when you think about it. The, the body is an incredible creation, and this is an amazing metaphor for us to think about. We are a body working together, one body but many parts. So, you know, you might say, well, you know, this body metaphor, this is all well and good, this is a cool metaphor, but, but how, how can we, who are a bunch of very different people, how can we function as one body? this is where Paul's advice to us is is critical. He's he's telling us that first, our body oneness is built on and composed of humble character. Now, when I say humble character, that's just the phrase I'm using to to, to describe all of what he says in verse 2, where he says, be completely humble and gentle and patient and bearing with one another in love. So we know to be humble, I mean, the, the most fantastic uh, description of humility or example of humility is Jesus Christ, is he, um, as he came to earth and he lived life on earth with sinful broken people and went to the cross and died for us. That is extravagant humility. You know, we think about, I think for a human being, humility is understanding who I am and who God is. Having a clear view of my relative size and power compared to the size and power of the creator that we just heard sung about. That's, that's, that's quite a comparison, and, and to that extent, you know, I, I make it sound easy. Oh, of course we should be humble when we realize we're this and, and God's, you know, this. Um, well, of course we should be humble, but, but I don't want to make humility sound like a simple, easy step. You know, because I know, and, and you know, you can think back in your own life, think of the last time that you were uh, convicted by something and you realized you had failed in some way. Or maybe it was just the, the Holy Spirit telling you that you have failed in some way. And I can think even not, not long ago of, of a time the Holy Spirit communicated to me that, that I had failed. And my response, every, everything in my sinful nature says, no, I didn't no, I didn't, I didn't fail, and, and I fight, I, I, me, little me, fights God, his Holy Spirit, telling me that I failed, and I said, no, I didn't, and so finally I come to a slightly more humble position, and I admit, okay, I, I failed but not nearly as bad as all those people. It's not that big a deal. I haven't failed that much. And, and I continue to fight the Holy Spirit, pressing in, saying, you have failed. Until finally I reach the point where I realize, yes, I have failed, and my failure's a big deal. And I realized something that is really simple about the gospel message, that that. I can't earn my salvation. God, I guess it's true that I'm a failure and I actually need you. Humility is recognizing that that I can't earn it. I need him. Biblical humility is not weak. It's not being weak. It's not believing you're nothing, but it's believing that you need God's power and you need his wisdom. So, so in that, you are incredibly powerful and incredibly wise, but it's nothing innate in you. It's God's wisdom and power through you. We need him. The second part of humble character that Paul mentions is being gentle. Gentle also, it's not weakness or, or it's not a failure to act, but It is the strength to act with the humility to do so softly and carefully. I think of those in our church family who who to me demonstrate gentleness. I think of Steve Arts, I think of Joyce Rose, I think of Alice Cyril, Um, I think of Howard Rothenberger. Um, You, I think of you all demonstrating, illustrating gentleness. Another um, aspect of this humble character that Paul mentions is that of patience. Patience here, the, the Greek word actually refers to long-suffering towards, towards something pretty aggravating. So um, long-suffering patience towards some followers of Jesus who are, who are really messing up and failing in some significant ways. And, and we as um, members of the body of Christ are to have patience with those fellow body parts who are messing up in some significant ways. Bearing with one another is the next thing that Paul mentions. And, and this bearing with one another, this is the mutual tolerance for fellow sinners. So this is the recognition that it's not just that guy over there I need to be patient with because he's really messing up, but bearing with is realizing every single person, including me, we are failing daily in different ways, and we are to have a mutual tolerance for one another as we are failing each day. So I'm, I'm sad to tell you that, that the closer any of you might get to me, the more you will see that I stumble and fail. And the more my stumbling and failing may actually annoy you, hurt you, or complicate your life. And I don't think that I'm alone in saying that about myself. We as members of the body of Christ are called to bear with one another in the midst of our daily faults and failures. You know, when I think about it, this... um, this body oneness, this this metaphor of the body, um, it actually illustrates this well. Where I think about, you know, if if my finger gets a scratch on it, if my knee gets a bruise on it, my ankle is sore, I break an arm, there is a there's a while in which I need to bear with my my body um, bears with that injury. It compensates for it. Very very rarely. Is it necessary to cut off a body part and be able to move on better without it, right? Very rarely. Um, What we need to do as a body of Christ, there are parts of our body that are hurt, that are struggling, and the rest of the body compensates, suffers along with, until that body part has had the time to heal. I love this body metaphor. So members of the body of Christ, be humble and gentle and patient and bear with one another in love. This is crucial to our oneness as a body of Christ. The second thing that this body oneness is built on and composed of is is one faith. We can Listen again to Paul's words in verses 3 through 6 where he says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. So this, this one God who, who exists in Trinity, he's three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God united with one love. One God, three persons united with this one love. And we have one church with many persons united in one faith in this one love of the one true God. We are the body of Christ, and we share one faith. I think of um, our, the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, which is the denomination that we are aligned with. Um, they have a, um, written out the beautiful articulation of the essentials of our one shared faith, um, They're going to show the address on the screen in just a moment, the web address. Um, I encourage you sometime this week to go here and read this explanation of the essentials of our one shared faith. At the bottom of this, you'll find this motto that says, In the essentials, unity. In the non-essentials, liberty. And in all things, charity. So in the essentials of the Christian faith, in this this one faith we shared, we have to be united as a body of Christ. In the non-essentials, we need to give one another some liberty, and in all things, we need to interact with one another in the way of love, in the way of charity. My fear and observation is that there is a lot of fighting within the church about these non-essentials. And when I think about the, the body fighting against itself, particularly in the way of these non-essentials, what, what, what does it look like? What happens if my finger decides to fight against my eye? <laughs> All right, what, how's that? what does it look like if my foot decides to fight against my leg? Or my, my fist decides to fight against my face? Okay, I know it sounds ridiculous, and, and so the question is who wins that fight? And and the sad thing about this, the sobering thing about this, is the winner of that fight is the bystander watching by, who is laughing and losing respect with the body of Christ. As members of the body of of Christ, we need to focus on the unity of our shared faith. One Lord, that is Jesus Christ. One faith that is in Jesus Christ. One baptism, that is the the, um, conversion when the Holy Spirit comes in us and attributes salvation to us, brings us from spiritual life to spiritual death. That That is the one baptism that is being talked about. We need to focus on our unity and our one shared faith. The third thing that this body oneness is built on and composed of is many gifts. As described in verses 7 through 12, all followers of Jesus have received gifts that have been given to us for the purpose of building up the body of Christ. So the the challenge here is pretty simple and frank, and that is use your spiritual gifts for the building up of the body. I love that, that I can look at the, the 700 or so people that have been in this building throughout this morning and, and see the many, many ways that you all are using your gifts to serve the body. I, there are, I can, we can easily count 350 of you using your gifts in more than one way to serve the body. And there's probably another 350 that, that I, I don't know of ways that you are using your gift to build up the body. So the challenge, my my encouragement to you, is to step in and start using your gifts to build up the body. The ways you can do that, uh, the tech team will put a a web address on the screens again. If you go to this site and you scroll down, there are links in here where you can, um, if you don't know what your spiritual gifts are, you can look at a list of spiritual gifts. You can um, look, uh, you can... uh, get and take a survey uh, to discover kind of an inventory with questions about your spiritual gifts. If you fill out the answers at this website and click submit, then uh, one of our staff members this week will uh, respond to you and help walk you into a way that you can start using your gifts here in this body. So that's one option. You, you need to start using your gifts if you're not, and you can do it in that way. Secondly, you can just call Renee Miley, <laughs> all right? Renee is our children's ministry director. And when I look at our children's ministry right now and the broad scope of needs for gifts from from cleaning things to making copies to doing electronic check-in to all these other ways that you can actually be interacting with children and sharing Jesus' love, when I look at the broad spectrum of ways and and the number of of opportunities and needs, um, there are so many ways that we could use your gifts in building up the body with our children. So if you are a member of Christ and you are not using your gifts to build up the body, then then you're kind of like um, an ankle that refuses to move or an eye that is closed. The rest of the body is suffering because you are not using your gift. You are not living the way that the Lord intended you to live with the gifts that he has given you. The fourth and final thing that Paul mentions... (coughs) that this body oneness is built on and composed of is continual growth. So these gifts of service work together so that the body may be built up. And we we can finish in verse 13 where it says, um, uh, the body can be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So when will we become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ? We, we won't actually attain that until we meet Jesus face to face. But until then, keep growing. I don't know how you are growing right now in your relationship with the Lord, but it is a pursuit that we are called to be on for the rest of our lives, to keep growing growing. Keep coming together as the body of Christ and worshiping together. Keep opening up your your Bible throughout the week and listening to the word of the Lord. Keep taking moments of silence where you can listen to and talk to him. Keep having conversations with other followers of Jesus. Keep putting yourselves in places that are out of your comfort zone so you can be showing and sharing the love of Jesus with those he's placed around you. Keep growing This is the body of Christ, composed of and built on humble character and one faith and many gifts and continual growth. As we live in this way, then then we will, as verses 15 and 16 say, we will grow to become mature in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined together and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Father, we come before you and we ask that that would be the case that we would be one body growing together and growing closer and closer to you. We ask that you would continue to work through your spirit to make this the truth in each of our lives. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen.